It's almost Halloween. It is. Oh my gosh, I'm losing my mind. I know. I'm both panicked and excited because I've changed my costume a million times. I feel like some people who I told previous costumes to are going to be disappointed that I'm not actually (laughs) doing the old ones. Well, you can save them for another year. True. It is funny because I think Halloween has once again snuck up on me. I think also just because I've been traveling so much. But remember how like months ago I was like, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to plan my costume so far in advance. Well, here I am. It's what, like a week out when this episode comes out? I still don't have a costume prepared. But I'm going to be in Italy for two weeks for a wedding. And so maybe I'll brainstorm and find something there. Yes, find something there. That's perfect. Okay. That's a good idea. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And I do feel like Halloween has really snuck up on us. Don't you? It has. I just feel like it's different because we're still in a pandemic and things aren't fully open. Like, just life is different. Planning is different. There's not, like, this pre-planning of months before where we're going out to bars or parties or Salem, Massachusetts. So I just feel like there's a little less pressure. That's true. And so we – I mean, it's self-induced pressure. (laughs) (laughs) No one else is pressuring us. Right, right. So, yeah, I don't know. And we're getting older, Yeah. Like, I really like joining friends for handing out candy, like, to trick-or-treaters I haven't done that yet. I also don't live in a neighborhood – I don't, like, live in a place where they where kids trick-or-treat. Oh, I invited myself over to an old co-worker's house to to do it. That will be really, really fun. But as a reminder to all of you, our phantoms, our listeners, the week of Halloween, on the good day of Tuesday, October 26th, Join us at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Green Room as we go live and talk ghost stories and you can share your ghost stories with us, get in the Halloween mood and join us because we're going to be doing this every other week on Green Room, going live with you, talking ghosts. Yes, we are beyond excited. So download the Green Room app. It's through Spotify. Yes. And then when the time comes on that Tuesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, just join our room and you can raise your hand. You can chat in the chat feature. You can just listen. You can do whatever, but please join us. And we're very excited because the week of Halloween, we're doing it late night to make it a little bit spookier. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really scary for me because we're gonna, it's going to be like after midnight by the time we end. <laughs> but Corinne is not going to sleep that night. No. But moving on after that, it's going to be 5 p.m. Pacific, <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern. So I like how we share the other person's time zone first we put each other first we do but we also put our listeners emails first yes because it's an encounters episode we are not two girls one ghost on green room we are campfire stories so follow us at campfire stories on green room if you follow us you'll get notified that we're going live so in case you forget perfect perfect all right well it's basically halloween so i think we both chose emails that are a little oriented either towards Halloween or some spooky (laughs) creatures and monsters and ghosts that we think of Mm -hmm. during Halloween. Do you have one you want to start with? Oh, man. I love all of them. So what do I decide? I I accidentally put six stories in the inbox (laughs) and I was like, oh, I only have to pick five. How? How do I pick five? So it was very difficult for me. It's hard. Okay. I'll start with this one. This is from our listener, Kendall. Hey, y'all. It's Kendall. 
I work night shift, so I'm usually up all hours of the night and don't usually go to bed until 7 a.m. most nights. I let my dogs outside around 5 a.m. And the other night, I was just doing my usual housework while we went outside to go potty and play. Then I hear my dog, Kylo, barking and snarling outside. I look out the back door, and Frank, also my dog, was on the porch shaking and would not go down the porch. No. So I'm like, what the hell? And I open the door to try to bribe Kylo back inside before he wakes up the whole neighborhood. And he's looking toward the back of our chain link fence, which backs up to a creek. All of his hair is standing up and he's snarling about to attack. And FYI, he only does this when someone is around our house that he doesn't recognize or he feels threatened. He's a very intuitive dog. So I'm yelling, Kylo! Come on, come here. And then I hear a child boy's voice <gasps> say, you're being a very bad boy. Oh, my God. I immediately start saying, Kylo, you want a treat? A treat? Treat? Treat's the magic word for him to come to me, LOL. But he's running up the stairs to my treat, and then I lock the doors. I didn't tell my boyfriend about it because he was already asleep, and I decided I'll just let it go because I didn't want to think about it or freak him out. Well, the next day, my boyfriend picks me up for work and he says, something weird's been going on around our house. So I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? Oh, no. And he says that tonight, while he was outside grilling, he heard someone knock on our front door and he looks out the door and nobody's there. And while he's checking the front door, somebody knocks at our back door. Oh, my God, no. So he runs (gasps) and checks and nobody's there. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I decided to tell him what happened to me the night before. And he's all freaked out now. And we just think that it's just all really weird. Okay, so now this weekend, we're grilling out on the porch and our neighbor comes out and we're talking to her. And I told her what we heard the other night. And she says, oh my God, stop it. Our neighbor asked if our son was outside that night at 1 a.m. because he kept hearing a little boy laughing and giggling. (gasps) No. And I said, now that I think about it, it did sound just like your son. So she starts freaking out and she looks at her husband and says, is it because of what happened to me and you? And I said, what do you mean? (laughs) And she says, one night they were laying in bed and she saw something small and black scurry across the floor and the dog was chasing it. And then it goes through the wall and it disappears. And then the next day they wake up and they have bruises around their wrists (gasps) and ankles like someone had been carrying them. And they both had sticks and leaves all in their hair. What What the fuck? (laughs) Also, they said that they were up at like 1 a.m. and their kid was asleep. And they also have a very close eye on him at all times because he has autism. So either A, aliens are over and pretending to be small children, or B, their kid has an evil doppelganger, or C, black-eyed kids. I'm freaked out and I'm trying not to get abducted, LMAO, but I guess if I do, I'll see you on the other side, Kendall. I'm what? If this has no correlation to their neighbors being, like, dragged and abducted, then that is absolutely wild how much activity is happening in this neighborhood. But it's got to be related, don't you think? It's got to be related. Well, we've once theorized that maybe black-eyed kids are related to aliens or are – there's – I feel like there's some connection between them or maybe if it was aliens who came, they just, like – created a weird energy that opened up a portal to some – to the paranormal that so it became, like, extra active. I don't know. Yeah. I can't imagine waking up to bruises around your wrists and ankles and sticks and twigs and leaves in your hair. That is yeah, that's terrifying. Because alien abduction, I feel like so many times when we've heard stories of alien abduction, people are just like waking up in odd places or different places 
or like they're in bed, but in a weird way or in the wrong seat of the car or they're wearing mm-hmm. like their friend's sweatshirt that was with them. Like there are just these little clues mm-hmm. that make it seem like obviously that they were abducted. And usually they see something before too. But the fact that they were dragged through the woods, like I'm no, not sure they ever I, left Earth. No, they were brought to the mothership on Earth. Maybe it was back in the by the creek, like in the tree line, and they were yeah, just dragged over to it. Yeah. Oh my god, this also reminds me of The Outsider. I still haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. You, I have the book. Do I need to read it? But it's a Stephen King book that was turned into a show on HBO Max. And the whole idea is there's this, like creature that can become other people, and it's evil, and it like kills people. You have to watch it to know. But like, it's very dark. And this yeah. is very ominous. And the fact that multiple people in this neighborhood are experiencing things. Wait a second. I did watch it. I did watch it. Oh, hello. I watched it. Sorry, I forgot the name of the show. I watched the show. Yeah, okay. And then I had my parents watch it and they were like, what the fuck? That's so <laughs> weird. It yes, is weird, but it's absolutely. Good. But then also for Kendall's boyfriend to, you know, hear a knock at the front door and then no one's there and then a knock at the back door. It's so manipulative and like it's taunting. It's strange for multiple reasons. One is because if we connect exactly what happened with Kendall and her boyfriend to the neighbors and what all the neighbors heard and experienced, it sounds like this thing can disguise itself as sort of this like black mass that can move Mm -hmm. through the walls like a spirit. It also speaks perfect English. So I'm thinking specific. I know that there are probably a bajillion different alien species out there in the ever expansive universe. However, I'm specifically thinking of when we did the Bridgewater Triangle that we so lovingly refer to as the Bridgewater kidney bean. bean. Mm -hmm. And there was that case where that man and his dog happened upon an alien. And the alien was like, I want you, Kia, Kia, like trying to say, Mm -hmm. we want you, like, come here, come here. Not perfect English, not not speaking the languages that we do, which this creature, whatever this thing is, Mm -hmm. can do. You're a very bad boy and laughing and and then also moves at like the speed of light and also potentially can physically harm you and like pick you up and drag you and leave marks. So what the hell is this? Okay, so I'm really curious if – because the neighbors said what if it's what happened to us. So like it does make me wonder – and maybe I'm thinking this because like black-eyed kids you have to invite in. But like what if something happened before that night? What if there was an experience where someone knocked on their door and it was a little kid or there was someone at their door mm-hmm. and they opened the door or they, you know, somehow communicated with this thing and let it inside and then that happened. Like it goes even further back. Oh, and so this just... is a warning for Kendall and her boyfriend. Don't open the door or let this child in. I'm also curious what they sent this back in April. I'm curious if it's still happening. Right. And I mean, this is the perfect example. We say it every other episode, but trust your pets. Like these dogs are under Mm -hmm. attack, shaking, feeling very threatened by this thing. And if they are, you absolutely should. should. Also on a completely unrelated note, Corinne, when you said you're being a very bad boy, I just heard Jennifer Coolidge. And I think you would be (laughs) – that would be one an amazing Halloween costume, which you would crush. And I feel like you could do her voice really well. Wait, that's so funny. I need to actually practice it, but that's really <laughs> funny because last night, for some reason, I had a dream where I was walking with someone else who I can't remember in the dream. We were walking down a street and I kept imitating Jennifer Coolidge saying, like, you look like the 4th of July and <laughs> I want a hot dog real bad. I feel How like timely. you could do it. <laughs> well, I'll practice in private before I do it on a microphone. Okay. <laughs> I'm shy. I I get it. Okay. I have a story from Kennedy. 
and it is called Do Not Go to a Playground During a Full Moon. Hi, Corinne and Sabrina. I finally have some free time. I just graduated from university and am currently unemployed, which means I can finally email my experiences to you. My name is Kennedy, she, her, and I have so many experiences, it is hard to choose which ones to send in. I have been a listener of the podcast for years and always recommend it to my friends. Unfortunately, not many of them share my obsession with the paranormal and all things spooky, but I am so happy to have found this community. I've had this email in my draft since May of 2021, and I got nauseous and dizzy as I was writing it and had to stop because it was past midnight and I was freaking myself out. But as another full moon approaches, I was reminded of this experience and will explain why I will never go to a park around midnight during a full moon. This experience happened on April 26, 2021, during the pink supermoon in Lethbridge, Alberta. I had told my roommate about the full moon and that I wanted to go out and look at it. We were in the process of moving, so our whole apartment had basically been packed up and we had nothing else to do. There was a park near our house that had a jungle gym where you could lay flat in the middle and watch the stars. And I thought it would be the best place to watch the full moon. We were initially going to walk, which would have taken about 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back. But I was hesitant about walking because we were planning to go around 11 p.m. And the quickest way to walk was on a dirt road as we lived on the outskirts of our city. As night approached and we were getting ready to go, my roommate mentioned that we probably should drive and not walk. I agreed. We got ready and drove to the park. And I really wanted to go, but for some reason, the hours leading up to it, I got more hesitant. I should have trusted my gut. We drove the longer way around, which was a paved road and avoided the dirt road. We got to the park and we were the only car there. I still had a really weird feeling, but chalked it up to listening to too many paranormal and true crime podcasts. And because it was nearing midnight, we got out of my car and started walking toward the park. It was pitch dark. And as I mentioned before, we're on the outskirts of town, so there was no light illuminating the park, which made it perfect for stargazing, but made it horrible to see anything else. As we got closer, I started to feel dread in this dark energy. I looked forward and saw what looked like a hunched figure perched on one of the swings. The swing was not moving at all, and we could not tell if whatever we saw was looking at us or away, and we definitely did not want to stay to find out. I whispered to my friend, do you see that? What is it? I think we should leave. Thankfully, she agreed. We turned around our backs to whatever we saw and quickly walked back to my car, looking back as we walked to make sure it was not following us or didn't move, and it didn't. As soon as we got to the car, we shared how we both felt horrible, dark, negative energy as soon as we approached the park. My friend is a skeptic and believed it could not have been a person as she tried to rationalize it, but agreed that it did not feel good. There were no other cars and no other figures that we saw, and as we drove, the shadow and the swing stayed completely still. We drove the dirt road home. I know, I know, bad idea, but the way the road was from the paved roads, you could see the front of the park, and the dirt road, you saw the park from the back, and I needed to drive past the swing to rationalize what we saw. As we approached the backside of the park, With a clear view of the swing, this is also where I had to stop writing because I felt really off, but once we drove past the swing where we had initially seen the figure, there was absolutely nothing there and the swing remained still. It was like we blinked and it disappeared. We both agreed that whatever was there had bad intentions, whether it was human or supernatural. As we drove from the park, we stated out loud that nothing could attach to us and we did not welcome any negative energy. She mentioned that she also had doubts on whether or not we should have gone earlier that day. I drove past the park on our final night living there as we were both moving back home and was curious if what we saw was a shadow, a human, or something completely unexplainable. I drove past the park but was too afraid to get out of my car alone 
but I saw nothing. I drove back to our apartment and moved the next day. This means that whatever we saw will always be a mystery. And then about a month later, after she sent this email, Kennedy sent a follow-up. Hello, Corinne and Sabrina. I did not anticipate having to add to this email, but something has come up. My friend, the same friend who was with me when we saw this entity at the park, was driving home from my house to her own house, which is down the road. And on the drive to her house, you have to drive through a four-way stop. She texted me as soon as she got home saying, not to be dramatic, but I think I saw the man from the park or I just got haunted. (gasps) I replied immediately in all caps, asking her what she meant and where. And she explained that she saw a big black shadow in the shape of a man with a hood holding a cane standing in the middle of the four-way stop. She said that there were swarms of crows around him and that he resembled the entity we saw in April. This happened shortly after midnight and has completely shocked me because we are in a completely different city living at our parents' house while we wait until the fall to move out again. She stated that as she drove past, he looked up from the ground directly at her. I was so tempted to hop in my car and drive down to the four-way stop and investigate for myself. But after debating with myself and acknowledging that I am the most sensitive of my friends, I decided not to and just take her word for it. I have absolutely no idea if what she saw was the same entity that we saw a few months ago, but it chills me to the bone because who wants to pull up to a large shadow man waiting for them in the middle of a four-way stop? And this stop is like a minute from my house. No, thank you. I would love to hear what you both think and will be so happy if you read my experience on the podcast. Thank you again for keeping me entertained and thoroughly spooked. See you on the other side, Kennedy. Holy <laughs> crap. This thing is like following them, which is so creepy. Mm-hmm. It's not like she went back to that specific part of that specific park. Like that just really freaks me out. And it's, is it after the whole friend group? Like is it after everybody who was there or is it specific to her one friend who saw it? Oh, it was the just the two time? of them that were there. All right. So are they both targets now? I don't know. And then also like it brings up the question of are because you know, it kind of reminds me of like a shadow figure or almost Mm -hmm. almost like death, you know, with the hood and the crows. Like it's so scary. Yeah. I feel like this is the real life version of what Slender Man was trying to be. Yeah, right? We're trying to be. But like are there (laughs) just multiple of them and now ever since I saw the one at the park, they'll be able to see more of them? Ooh, ooh, that's so freaky. Also, oh my god, okay, this is really eerie. But the fact that it was standing in the middle of a four-way stop makes me think that like there's going to be an accident there and it's waiting to collect the soul. Oh, shit. That is really freaky. That's really sad. Or what if it causes the accident in order to take the soul? I'm still just stuck on the idea that there are multiple of them because I feel like You know, with black-eyed kids or with ghosts or demons, we're like, yeah, there are multiple. But then when we talk about other creatures like the Jersey Devil and like uh, these other creatures, I just feel like it's so – in my head, I just think of this one creature that's just like moving about. And it's Mm -hmm. just – it's unrealistic to think that there's just one. Right, like Bigfoot. It's like there's a whole population. Yeah. But also this also kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, a shadow figure, which we know there are multiple. You've seen multiple in one sitting, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Man, oh, man. All right. Well, maybe we need an update. Like, has it been seen again? I know. What is happening? I hope not for you. Did Kennedy ever see it a second time? I know. I'm glad that they left the park because – and it is interesting. The whole day leading up to it, she was excited. But as it got closer and closer, she had this weird feeling about it. Right. It's intuition, right? Like, she she knew something bad was going to happen. It's like the classic thing where people just – 
have a bad feeling about something, they don't do something, and then they realize that they missed like a big mm-hmm. accident or they should have been on that train that crashed or like whatever, because there's just this overwhelming sense. And it it makes me curious, like, where does that sense come from? Is it truly just like built into us and we just don't always know how to tap into it? Is the universe or someone or multiple people out there like providing us these clues? I just I watched Squid Game, so I'm like, is uh, someone controlling? <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. Nick is like, you have to wait for me, so we have to watch it together. Oh, it was it was really good. I can't stop thinking about it. Oh my gosh! Okay, I loved it. Most watched Netflix show like ever, and like most Googled show I think in history. Whoa. Yeah, it's wild. There's going to be a whole lot of Halloween costumes, Squid Game style, I'm sure. Also, for anyone who's trying to be an artist or writer like me. The guy who wrote Squid Game tried selling it for 10 years and was turned down by studios and networks for 10 years. <gasps> and How dare they turn it down? I know. And he finally now look at him. Look at the show. Wow. <laughs> that's really good. I mean, it's like the classic, like Steve Carell was trying to be an actor for how long? And he mm-hmm. didn't really get a break until he was like 40 years old. So you just got to keep on trying. Yeah. It'll happen eventually. Never give up. Oh, Squid Game's so good. <laughs> what do you have? All righty. Okay, this is called, and this creature has been also haunting my dreams for a while after Ooh. seeing so many videos and accounts of them online. But this is called my Wendigo, Wendigo encounter, however you Ooh. say it. I say Wendigo. Hey, Corinne and Sabrina. I know I've emailed you a few times in the past, but this is one experience that I had very recently and I wanted to share it with you. This year, and this was sent this year. This year, I had two family deaths in my family, my stepdad and my aunt. And my aunt died in August, and she lived in Kentucky, where my grandmother lived. So my mother and I decided to take a trip down there for the funeral. Although the circumstances were very grim, and I was still mourning my stepfather's death, I did look forward to one thing, which was seeing my cousin Ashley. We had been very close since we were very little, and she's one of the only people that I feel very close to in my family. We are both into the paranormal too. So when we get together, we're bound to have a very interesting time. Ashley was obviously very upset about the death of my aunt, her grandmother. And one day she decided that she wanted to take me to her thinking spot, as she called it. You see, my family in Kentucky lives relatively close to the Western Kentucky border. There's a place called Barry's Ferry that sits on the river dividing Kentucky and Illinois, and that's where she wanted to take me. So we went around sunset, and she drove a red Grand Am that's really not in the best condition at all, but we figured that we had a little bit of time to get home before it got dangerously dark. We were out there talking for a while, and she vented to me quite a bit, and I vented to her as well all about personal matters in our lives. Her car didn't have any ACs, so finally I got out to stretch out my legs and get some fresh air. I noticed that it seemed to be getting darker very fast for some reason. There was also a storm on the horizon that was gorgeous to watch, and there was a full moon. We were surrounded by nothing but the river and very dense forest. Ashley began panicking all of a sudden about her windshield fogging up, and suddenly it began to lightly rain. Because her car didn't have good AC, she had to manually wipe down the windshield. I watched the moon in the sky while she did so, until suddenly she turned to me and she said, I feel very off and uncomfortable. Do you? And at that moment, for some reason, I suddenly felt the same as she did. She said that she wanted to leave, and I agreed, but we weren't in a huge rush until we saw what we saw. Becca, do you see that? She said Mm -hmm. to me. 
And when I looked up, I froze in horror at the face I saw peeking out from the dense forest across the lot from us. It had empty, black, gaping eyes, antlers on its head, some hair, and a gaunt, pale face that stared at both of us. Immediately, I knew what it was. Having done a dangerous amount of research on Wendigos out of sheer curiosity before, and somehow I knew that is why it was here. I attracted it. Oh my gosh. I told her immediately to get into the car, and in the pitch blackness, we went barreling down the narrow road in the middle of the woods. The scariest part is that we had to keep all the windows rolled all the way down because the windshield fogged up so badly that she couldn't see at all. And a horrible smell followed us as we drove, and I was very nervous because Wendigos are supposedly very fast, and all of the windows were down. When we reached a clearing, Ashley had to stop under a lone streetlight. She ordered me to stay in the car, and she checked under the hood because her car was not functioning properly. Great timing, right? And while she was outside, one of her headlights started to flicker out of nowhere, and an owl sat on a tree overhead, common sign of Wendigo's. We pulled out, and she commented on our headlight, saying that she normally didn't have that issue. Luckily, we were able to get back to her small town, and so she could get gas and properly check her oil. We ruled out that she needed transfluid and a new AC. And since that night, I have had no strange occurrences, but Ashley has. She had many animals, one of which was a big, lovable golden retriever and shepherd mix. He's normally very playful, but lately when her partner takes him outside, he is whined and he seems as if he's reacting to something, stalking them from the trees. Their cats have also acted strangely, meowing and running off for no reason at night into the other rooms or pawing at the doors and the windows. Her partner said that he's heard what sounds like the mimic of children laughing and scratching on metal out in the perimeter of their property. Whenever this happens, they shut all of the drapes, they lock all the doors and the windows, and they try to avoid talking about it. Anyway, that's my encounter. You ladies are more than welcome to share it on the podcast. Thank you always for entertaining me with your stories. I look forward to listening to them more, Becca. This is horrifying. Isn't it? No way is it a coincidence that her car stopped working as they're trying to flee this creature. It for sure was affecting them. And I can't believe, Becca, your poor cousin is oh my God. being literally getting stopped by it. by it. Yeah. I don't know how you're supposed to stop that. I'm also really curious about Wendigos because I feel like sometimes they, and I think, I'm not sure if they're the same thing as not deer. If that's or if that's a separate creature, but sometimes these things have antlers. Sometimes they're like mimicking the a person's shape mm-hmm. and kind of looking like a a weird skin suit of a person coming towards you. But they're always lurking. And I, the one rule I've learned from the internet is that you're basically supposed to look down and not think about it and like not engage with them and move yourself out of the area. But how so do you're not you do really that supposed to make eye contact. But like this thing well, has followed yeah. it followed Ashley to their home. I don't know. See, that's what I don't know. I don't know how you fully get rid. I just know that if you're out on a hiking trail and you think you see something, you better look away as fast as possible because oh my gosh. you don't want it to to know that you saw it because I think that's like a trigger for it to I wonder if Becca because Becca said she did like tons of research and had been looking into them. So mm-hmm. I wonder if Becca knows how to get rid of them. Because yeah. it seems like Ashley needs help. <laughs> Dude, Ashley does. Oh, my gosh. And her poor animals. The fact that she has so many. It's not like it's just one dog being weird. It's like the dogs All and of the them. cats. Yeah. And even her partner is hearing weird things. The sound of kids laughing and giggling outside is just it, – it's the idea of it is like, oh, that's so sweet. Kids playing. But when you know there are no kids and this shouldn't be happening and it's happening mm-hmm. at odd hours, it is the most unsettling 
it's horror movie material. It is. And it's also like, what the hell is it? Because it could be, there's so many creatures that do that. Like Wendigos, there's doppelgangers, there's skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. Black-eyed there's kids. Black-eyed kids. Maybe Apparently aliens. aliens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's just so much that could possibly do it. And it's oh, no. it's absolutely terrifying. Well, maybe we'll do a little research and send Becca some ideas of how how to help Ashley. Oh, my God. I know. That's so – that's – yeah. It's horrifying. Terrifying. Because especially when it is your house. Yeah. Like, you're being stalked from the outside in. So Ugh. you're basically, like, barricaded in your house. The call is coming from inside the house. <laughs> what a stranger calls. <laughs> Great movie. Ugh. It's like the first scary movie I ever saw. It was such a good one. I think it was one of the first ones I saw too. Yeah. The first ever scary movie I, I truly saw to me was E.T. And then, <laughs> and then the second one that like others think is scary was Signs. So apparently this should have been you, Sabrina. I had my start with alien movies first. Mm. I was terrified of scary movies growing up. So I didn't watch any scary movie until I was in – I think I was in middle school. I think it was eighth grade. And I went to my friend who I played soccer with, went to her house. It was her birthday. Mm-hmm. She also lived in a very haunted house. Like she had seen shit in that house. And we watched back to back Chainsaw Massacre <gasps> and House of Wax back to back. Oh my gosh. The classic like campy yeah. teens getting brutally murdered. And I think that was my the first time I was like, oh, I think I can do this. I was scared. Don't get me wrong. But I was like, oh. Yeah. I think I can hang. It's interesting what what gets you and what doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. the Blair Witch Project didn't scare me. Paranormal Activity ruined me for mm-hmm. years. And then it's like, The Grudge didn't scare me, but The Ring fucked me up. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's all of these movies that are so similar, and you never really know when it's going to when it's gonna when get it's you. When it's going to hit you. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe this will get you. This is a story from Hannah. And it's called The Night of the Doppelgangers. Hi, ladies. I'm a fairly new listener, but I've become obsessed with your podcast. I work eight-hour shifts with headphones on the entire time, and I've been binging for about three weeks straight, and probably more by the time you read this. (laughs) I'm working my way through all the Encounters episodes first and then working backwards. I'm not sure why, but it's just how I roll. Anyway, I felt inspired to write you and share a personal story from when I was just a kiddo. Now I'm in my late 20s, and after being traumatized by a childhood in an extremely religious cult setting and raised on hellfire and demons, I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal. The real monsters are usually people, and paranormal activity has a long history of demonizing the different, the mentally ill, oh, and women for anything. But to give you the slight idea of where I stand, I believe in residual hauntings, but not sentient spirits. I believe in negative energy, but not curses, parallel universes, but not hell, and aliens, but not demons, if that gives you any point of reference. But here is an experience that doesn't quite fit in or between any of those boxes. It happened when I was probably 9 or 10 years old, and it was the night before I was attending a big pool party at my best friend's house, and I was just too excited to sleep. My childhood home was tiny, and I shared a room with three of my sisters, Grace, who was two years older than me, so 11 or 12 at the time, and my two youngest sisters, Lynn and Jane, who were probably about five or six-ish. I had the top bunk of a bunk bed and my two little sisters shared a bed below me and my older sister had a separate bed across from the bunks. If you can imagine, our beds took up the entire floor, barely leaving enough room to walk around them. Anyway, one side of my bed was against the wall and when I couldn't sleep, and it's important to say that I had literally hadn't been able to sleep at all so far, so I was not dreaming. So when I couldn't sleep, I tossed and turned and rolled over to face my room instead of the wall and I came face to face 
with my little sister, Jane. She was standing upright on her bed beneath me, so her head was right at my eye level. Not weird, but she startled me as it was in the middle of the night. I remember that she was smiling, and I distinctively remember that she looked different and that there was something weird about her eyes. I couldn't put my finger on it, and it didn't alarm me in any way, but I did notice it. She told me she had a nightmare and asked if she could come sleep with me. I told her she could, and I must have finally fallen asleep because I don't remember her climbing into the bed or being in the bed. I just remember waking up later, and it was morning, and she was gone. I also remember that when I woke up, it was impossibly bright in my room, just flooded with light and morning sun. You know that blissful, fuzzy feeling you get when you wake up naturally to warm summer light streaming in across your pillow and you have no rush to be anywhere? Dreamy. So I sat up and my dad was standing in my doorway. He had the biggest smile and I remember thinking, you can probably guess, there's something weird about his eyes. But he stood there and asked me about the fun day I was about to have at my friend's house and he was so cheery and happy And this was weird for my dad, who just kind of generally didn't take an interest in us kids and was often grumpy, but here he was, downright bubbly, and he came in and sat on the bunk beneath me. I remember peering over the edge of my bed to look at him, and there were my three sisters, also down there on the bunk. They were awake and sitting up, and immediately they all started chattering with each other, all bright and happy about the day ahead, and I felt that sort of pure happiness. And then I woke up. That's right. My dad visiting had been a dream. And when I woke up, it was morning and sunny, but none of my sisters were in my room. They had all already gotten up for the day. So I go upstairs to find them watching TV, eating breakfast, you know the drill, all just hanging around. And so I asked Jane what her dream had been about. And she said, what? And I said, well, you came into my bed last night because you had a bad dream. And she said, I didn't go into your bed last night. And I was, as the kids say, shook. And then my (laughs) older sister, Grace, present and listening in on our conversation said, you know, that's weird because Lynn did the same thing to me last night. And you guessed it. Lynn also had no memory of a nightmare or climbing into bed with Grace. And no one remembered a visit from Daddy-O that morning. A bit strange, yeah? I can't stress enough how benign and even, dare I say, positive it all felt, but still really weird, right? So what happened? Did I briefly slip into an alternate reality where there was a happy version of my family? Dare to dream. I have had a few other weird dream experiences, like how a couple years ago, I accidentally learned how to lucid dream from a clickbait article and swore never to use my power, only to discover that it's easily triggered by rhythmic sounds. You see, I got a new clock that I put in my bedroom, and that first night I had it there. Imagine my surprise when I walked right out of my body. I was very aware of what was happening and didn't want to look back at my sleeping self because I thought it would be kind of weird. So I put my hand up to the side of my face and walked into the living room. I remember thinking that I could do anything in my dream, but I was very cautious that things could take a bad turn somehow or that I'd get hooked on lucid dreaming like a drug. So I thought it best not to try anything crazy. But imagine my further surprise when I walked into my living room and there was a naked old man there. What? Now this is a very old apartment that our downstairs neighbor thought might be haunted. But I never experienced anything and I loved the energy there. But here was this man who said he lived there and he told me his name, but I can't remember it now. I wasn't scared or threatened by him, but he did tell me he would like to have sex with me and I politely declined and then went back to my bedroom. Is this a real human? What? Maybe it's another person lucid dreaming? Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe like they both were in the astral plane at the same time. Wow. Oh. Maybe he sleeps in the nude and that's how it happened. Yeah. Oh, interesting. You go in the clothes that you're in. You go in. Probably. Again, I didn't want to see myself sleeping, so I closed my eyes and aimed for my body and jumped and that was it. I woke up into myself. Whoa. 
Another similar experience happened shortly after this when I was staying at my sister's house and she had, can you guess, a large clock that I could hear very clearly in the room I was staying in. And again, that night, I left my body. I was very giddy this time trying to find something fun, but when I walked out of my room and into the living room, there was a dark fog everywhere and it scared me back into my body. That's about it. I have a few other little stories that perhaps I'll save if I ever decide to write again. I would be just tickled to hear it on air or whatever the correct podcast lingo is. Take care and stay spooky. Much love, Hannah. P.S. I'm including a picture of my cat from last Halloween. You know what I'm curious about is the very first thing that she talked about with her sister coming and and kind of like standing near her bed. I wonder if her sister unknowingly astral projects. Mm, If they all do. If they all do. If it just kind of comes naturally. There's just like a couple things that need to trigger it. Or maybe she doesn't even know that she does. I know. But there is something weird about the fact that both younger sisters did it to Hannah and her other sister. Like Hannah woke up to her one sister saying I had a Mm -hmm. bad dream and her other older sister woke up to Lynn saying she had a bad dream. Right. It sounds like something else had yeah, took hold of them. It also, I know that Hannah didn't have like a bad feeling about it. It was just like a little off and it was all pleasant in a way, but it does remind me of <gasps> Coraline. It reminds me of Coraline. Oh, Coraline. A little yes. bit where it's like the other world where everyone's so happy. And it, at first it does seem really good and like happy mm-hmm. and blissful, but then we're Coraline where everything is pleasant and happy and perfect for a moment and then it turns dark. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I'm kind of stuck on the guy that appeared in the room as well. Like, who is he? Was he also traveling in the astral plane somehow? And also, what was this clickbait article? Because I want to read it. I want to know how to do this. I I remember I went through a period where I was kind of doing it and it is scary. Yeah, right. It's like a catch-22 where you want to do it. But to be able to do it, it's difficult and it takes a lot of practice. And you can't simultaneously practice having control and Mm -hmm. being able to protect yourself when you're just trying to learn how to do it. Right. Like Hannah's experience of doing it at her sister's place and then the dark fog all over Mm -hmm. the living room, which reminds me kind of the upside down from Stranger Things. Yes. It also reminds me of the actual projection. It's the boy and he's in the coma and then the dad has to actual project to go Save him. Oh, um, Interstellar? Tiptoe through the window. Oh, wait. Oh, Insidious. Insidious. Yes. We'd be good at charades if we could <laughs> talk <laughs> during it. It reminds me of that a little bit because when they're – it's like all dark and misty and there's like these cloaked mm-hmm. people. Just kind of like that That's that the exact darkness. same idea. Like they're astral traveling. They are able to leave their bodies, which is – right why entities come and try to steal their bodies, which is why it is scary and I don't recommend. I mean, if you can control it, sure, do it. Mm-hmm. But I personally don't think I want to do that again. Alrighty. This is from Susanna. It is called Am I a Glitch in the Matrix? Ooh. Hi, Corinne, Sabrina, cats, dogs, and anyone listening to the podcast <laughs> and all the ghosts eavesdropping on the podcast. <laughs> I've been meaning to write you for a while now to tell you about my ghost experiences, but I never got around to it. Maybe because I'm too lazy or maybe because I'm a bad at writing down my experiences. Me trying to give myself an excuse for being <laughs> plain old lazy. Okay. But before I get into stories, I do love your podcast and I've listened from the beginning and wait eagerly for each and every episode, like so eager that I refresh Spotify every hour on Sundays Aww. and Mondays. LOL. Doesn't help that I live in a different time zone. Hello from Denmark. Oh, Whoa. Hello. hello. I wish I knew a word in Danish, but I, I do don't. love Danish treats. Mm. 
I'm dating a Danish boy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there we go. Also, I included some pictures of my cats for Sabrina. Thank oh, you. Look at the kitties at the end. Anyway, I will start with the bigger story and leave the two short stories for the end. This one I'm titling, Am I the Glitch in the Matrix? So here it goes. This takes place when I lived in Wales. I'm around 11 years old at the time, and my family and I would often visit old castles in the Welsh countryside. Hee <laughs> hee, we have the best castles in the world. <laughs> we gotta go. When you visit these castles, it's not uncommon for the people who work there to be dressed up in clothes from the era. A big top hat here, big puffy sleeve dresses there, the whole shebang. As a young kid, I wanted to be a doctor explorer. Well, mostly an explorer. So I would often run ahead alone. And one misty day, not raining for once, I ditched the family and I went up to the twisty servant's staircase. I was wearing a pair of plain black trousers and a white hoodie with my hair up in a ponytail. So I pretty much looked like an olden day little boy. <laughs> I was a very healthy child and I never got sick. But when I went up these stairs and into the pitch black, I felt horrible. So bad that I had to sit down for a minute and wait for the nausea to pass and the world to stop spinning. Wow. It did eventually. And I soon got up and I carried on up the stairs and there was now a light coming from the top and music. I stopped. What the hell? The stairs I'd been standing on were broken and crumbled, but not anymore. They were whole. I could hear yelling coming from downstairs where I'd just been. I turned around thinking my family had just come in and I should probably stay with them. So I went back down the stairs. Um, well, I was wrong. Not my family. There was a kitchen. A full, blown out, real life, I am not dreaming kitchen. I stood on the stairs in shock. Copper pots and pans hung from the ceiling, a blazing fire roaring away with a spit in front of it. But what was most bizarre were the people running to and from. There was what I presumed to be the head cook yelling at people, shouting her head off. Meanwhile, while I just stood there watching, the head cook then said to take the platter of some sort up to the main hall, and the servant took the platter and headed right for me. Crash! They dropped it and started screaming and pointing at me. I have never had someone scream and point at me in oh fright before. Got to say, I didn't feel too good about it. And the whole kitchen stopped and stared at me. And well, I yeeted right out of there. I raced up the stairs into what must have been the grand hall or dining hall or something because everybody was eating. There were around 100 odd people or so. They were all dressed in fancy clothes, eating, dancing. There was a juggler and everything. This was a banquet. And well, as you can imagine, they didn't take it too nicely that a scruffy 11-year-old was racing up the stairs at a crazy pace and hurling towards them. That was me. I was this crazy 11-year-old who was scared for her life, and this was not normal. Had I gone back in time, there was no other explanation. Oh, and they thought that I was a boy because I was wearing trousers, so that was great. <laughs> I was taken out of the hall, escorted out of the building. I was taken to the stables. They thought that I was the stable boy, I guess. Anyway, it was dark and I was stressed and really tired. So I lay down in the straw that, where they had left me and went to sleep because even though I was scared for my life, I still needed my beauty sleep. <laughs> As I went to sleep, all I could think of was, what the frick just happened? How will I get back to my real life? I got my phone out of my pocket and I tried to turn it on. No such luck. It wouldn't turn on. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Bringing the I phone know. back in time. Whoa. It wouldn't turn on, and I know it had nearly full battery, so it couldn't be dead. Eventually, I went to sleep, and I don't know how I did, but I did. But what felt like two minutes later, I woke to my phone ringing and about a half a billion calls and messages. It was my mom calling. When she answered, she started yelling at me not to go off on my own like that, and where the hell was I? 
When I got off the phone promising to meet her at the exit, I looked at the time. I'd been gone an hour. When I told them what had happened, they didn't believe me and told me that I was crazy. I know what I saw. The only plausible options were either that I was abducted by aliens or the whole experience was my imagination. One or the other. But what are your thoughts? If you want to see what the castle looks like, you can look up Conwy Castle on Google. Ooh, now we know where it is. Mm. It was lived in by King Richard III. Whoa. Now for the short, sweet stories. This was also in Wales. We lived in a little old Victorian era house and the door was painted red and there was a small letter box flap thing to post letters into the house. The letter box was on the door so anyone could access it. There were no walls or gates or anything, and there was one cat who loved us, and we called him Cod, like the fish, and he would always meow at our door and beg to be let in, which he wasn't allowed in. When the door was left open, he would race in from the street and come zooming into the house to hide somewhere. He did have an actual house and an owner, I promise, (laughs) but he seemed to love us. And one night, we'd kicked him out and gone to bed until three in the morning when everyone in the house was woken up to Cod's nonstop meow, meow, meow. He was standing on the stairs looking at us proudly. How the hell had he gotten in? The front door was locked, the back door was locked, and all the windows were closed, and the house was freezing. The only thing open was the teeny tiny letterbox. How had this cat, who was so very, very fat, (laughs) gotten through the letterbox? All of the house keys had been strewn across the hall. Did the ghost hear Cod its pitiful cries and let him in? The second ghost is the one that I call Marvin. I don't know why Marvin's called Marvin, but he is. Marvin is always hungry, and it's not like he asks for food nicely. No, Marvin is a thief. Food has always disappeared from the pantry, from kitchen shelves, from the plates even. Marvin just takes it all. And as a kid, these food robberies were always blamed on me and my brother. My parents are skeptics and don't believe in the paranormal, so how else would they explain all of the food that goes missing? In the beginning, I had to check that it wasn't my younger brother. I spent the whole day with him playing games and all sorts, and I didn't let him out of my sight. My sister was at a friend's house all day, and my parents were watching rugby, so I knew it wouldn't have been any of us. At first, I thought maybe it was mice or a cat or something, so I used flour. Something I know cats don't eat and mice don't eat. Only humans use it. And I guess ghosts. I put some flour in a little bowl and I put it on the furthest corner of the kitchen cabinet. I spent all day thinking about it and whether Marvin would take it or not. And sure enough, he did. The entire thing was gone. Even the bowl. (laughs) I looked for the bowl everywhere but the obvious back with the other bowls. It was on the bottom of the pile and there was a coating of flour around the sides. Marvin didn't even wash the bowl after using it. (laughs) Once Marvin took all the potatoes right off my plate, I didn't get to eat a single one. He always steals my food. What should I do? Thanks for reading this long email. I've attached a few pictures of my cats and what the Welsh castle looks like. Thanks again for the amazing podcast. Keep up the ghostly good work. See you on the other side. Susanna. Wow. I There's so many things to unpack. I I'm, At first, I was like, is Marvin a man living in the walls? Because for the food yes. to continue to go missing. But then the way that she said that her potatoes would disappear right off of her plate. Right. And they're like the whole family's there. Like they're yeah. pr- probably like in the living room, in the kitchen, and things just disappear. Marvin. Marvin. A hungry ghost. Hey, at least he puts the dishes away. Maybe he doesn't clean them, but. Right. He's that doing might 50% be too much of the, yeah. 50% of the chores. Wow. I'm surprised. But then, freaking Susanna, you. You traveled in time. That is unbelievable. It's so, I mean, unbelievable as in I absolutely believe it. Yeah, it's freaking cool. But it's just so cool. <laughs> 
I'm so curious if like after that evening, someone from that period of time wrote their account and was like, this, the weirdest thing happened today. Like, what if there's record of it? What if it wasn't actually Susanna necessarily going back in time herself? What if there was like some weird swap and someone Mm. from that time, like the actual stable boy, was suddenly thrown into the future and was like, why is everything decrepit? Who are these people in these weird clothes walking around? And who are these people in these like fake versions of my clothes guiding people around? Like, what if there was a swap? I also want to know. When Susanna did awake, where was she? Was she yeah, in, was she in the, the barn? old stable? Like where? Yeah, where was she? We'll have to ask. Oh my gosh! Wow. Oh. But like, and also, it's so it's so interesting because we've heard so many stories where like, there's one that specifically sticks out in my head where someone was in their kitchen or and they saw this like man and they both kind of looked at each other and they like yes, you know, they acknowledged so they could see each other, but they were like, wait, what are you doing here? It was like very out of place, which right. makes a me little think wrinkle in time. That, like, yeah, it happens all the time. It's like if anyone watched Loki, there's all these different versions of Loki on different timelines. And there are different timelines, different people, different weird little wrinkles where sometimes you meet someone or maybe you meet a different version of yourself or yeah. I don't know. But I think that that's so freaking cool. And if I go to a castle, I better, I better <laughs> go back in time temporarily. All right. Well, now we just have to go to this castle that Susanna yeah. went to. Or any of the can- Test castles. Test our luck. In Denmark. Well, this was in Wales. This oh, one Wales. specifically. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. We just have to go to Europe. I guess we'll just do a castle tour. <gasps> Wouldn't it be lovely? That would be really nice. Okay. This is from Ray. And it's called, My husband's high school ex-girlfriend's ghost touches my butt. <laughs> what? Hey, girls. This is the story of creepy haunted college dorm. First off, on our haunted train of crazy is my college dorm room experience. It was 2017 and I moved into my dorm. I went to college to this little country town where the college students doubled the city's population from fall to spring. It was a very small town. Anyway, my roommate at the time sucked. Luckily, she went home almost every weekend, so I had the room to myself. In our room were two desks, two swivel chairs, two beds, and two wardrobes. She had a canvas poster slash painting hanging above her desk. And one weekend when she was home... I came back to the dorms at like 2 a.m. because, you know, college parties. I walk into my room, flip on the lights, and saw both of our chairs back to back in the middle of the room. Immediately, I run through logical explanations like, oh, I bet the floors are just slanted and they rolled to the middle of the room. Or, I don't know, must have forgot to push them in. Even though I know both were pushed in when I left. I don't give it much more thought until I go push my stupid roomie's chair in. And the poster slash painting that was hanging on the wall was thrown off the wall, flipped around, and leaning up against the wardrobe three feet away from where it was hanging. Big yikes. Deaf haunted. Flash forward and I switched rooms because I couldn't stand my roommate, and I moved in with a girl who we'll call Alex. Alex was super chill and really fun to be around. She was really into the beauty industry and would often teach me new makeup hacks or techniques. Well, she was doing her makeup one day and we saw her phone slowly start to turn. Her phone was on a wooden desk and her case was silicone. So I was like, uh, how is it moving? (laughs) It kept slowly rotating until her phone became upside down and then the turning suddenly stopped. We kept having weird stuff happen like our wardrobe doors would be open or our dresser drawers would be open. But one day we came back to find her full length mirror flung from the wall. 
Alex hung it with like 13 command hooks and it was stuck when she hung it. We rehung it to test how much force would be needed to pull it from the wall. And we both would have had to yank it really strongly for it to even budge. Alex loves spoopy stories and she looked into why a mirror would fall like that. And turns out my makeup mirror on my desk, her makeup mirror and her full length mirror were faced towards each other, which I guess is a big no-no in the spirit world. Flash forward a month and I was on my way home from my boyfriend's house. Again, it's like 1 or 2 a.m. because college. I unlock the door and open it to see a glowing ball of white light floating in the middle of our room. Obviously, I screamed like a baby who fell off the swing set yelling, nope, 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 nope. And the ball of light dashed into my wardrobe and disappeared. I called my boyfriend at the time and he was like, bro, chill, you're just seeing things. Oh, LOL. Okay, thanks, pal, for letting me sleep by myself freaked out with all the lights on. Nobody but Alex believes me to this day, but I'm 120% sure I saw an orb that night. I went to my dorm supervisor, we'll call him John, and told him that I thought it was Lola. Supposedly, way back in the day when the college first opened, a woman named Lola went to school here and lived in our dorm building. Supposedly, her fiancé went off to war and died, and she got a letter notifying her of his death, and she took her own life in the rafters of the dorm building. Hmm. Turns out her hubs to be was alive and they sent her the letter on accident. <gasps> oh no. And he came home from war to find out that Lola had died. John scoffs at me and tells me that Lola is a made up story that the psych majors told for a social experiment, which smells like a cover up to me. The people that go to the college are pretty 50 50 on the subject. Some think that it's a myth. Some people, especially those who lived in my dorm building, believe that she is real and haunts the residents of the dorm building, searching for her hubs to say she was sorry. My next story is about a creepy haunted apartment. Flash forward some more, and I'm now married, living with my adoring husband in our first apartment together. Super cute, obvi, because I decorated, and I felt at home right away. Well, that was until the hauntings began. Disclaimer, this ghost only haunts me. It leaves my innocent bean of a husband alone and goes straight to haunting the crazy ghost-loving psycho he's married to, me. First encounter with the spirit that lives in our apartment was when it knocked off a picture of my husband and I from a shelf on the wall. Here's the thing, though. In front of the picture were some candles. There is no way the picture could have fallen without taking the candles with it. My husband wasn't home, so it really freaked me out. A few weeks later, a family member on my husband's side passed away. And I know ghosts knock down pictures to warn you that death is coming, so I thought, hmm, maybe it's a nice ghost. Then came the tapping. I would be home alone semi-frequently because my husband is in the military and would have to go on weekend to four-week trips for work. One weekend, when he wasn't home, the ghost thought it would be funny to start tapping on the wall, always in sets of fives. Tap, 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 tap. 45 seconds silence. Tap, 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 tap. I figured it was just the heater or something, so I just kept on playing my GameCube. Then it moved to tapping the floor right behind the couch I was sitting on. Tap, 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 tap. 45 seconds of silence. Tap, 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 tap. Freaked out at this point, I naturally turned the TV up, so Mario's yelling, let's go, would drown out the tapping. Then the tapping moved to underneath the couch and I could feel it on my butt. Tap, 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 tap. 45 seconds of silence. Tap, 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 tap. Heck no. I know Ghosty is not quite literally trying to tap that ass, but I'm frozen at this point. So I was just like, screw it. I guess I'm going to listen to tapping all night. (laughs) Then the tapping moved to the back of the couch and I could feel it on my back and my shoulders. Tap, 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 tap. 45 seconds of silence. Tap, 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 tap. Sweating profusely, I told myself it was the dog or the cat, both of which were sitting next to me on the couch, but I was just trying to calm myself down. Tap, 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 tap. 
45 seconds of silence. Tap, 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 tap. This time it was right in my ear. So I jump off the couch and yell, go the fuck away. The ghost then slams on the wall and the tapping stops. A little while later, my husband and I were watching Adventure Time because we're weirdos who are kids at heart. I look over at him and his expression looked something like this. Stanley from the office shook because he waited in line for his pretzel on pretzel day only for them to run out right before he gets to the front of the line. (laughs) Shocked, scared, what the F am I going to do now kind of face. I asked him what was up and his eyes followed something behind me moving from behind the couch towards the front door. He didn't say anything for five minutes, but then he looks at me and said, I think I just saw a ghost. He described seeing a wispy blue white light floating behind me, then moving and disappearing into the front door. Later on that evening, we found out our neighbor had died by suicide that night. So maybe we thought it was the guy's ghost trying to find his apartment. We don't know. We shake that off. No big deal. Forgot about it for a while. And then the tapping started again. Again, it only happens when my husband is out. Tap, 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 tap. 45 seconds of silence. Tap, 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 tap. On my Goodwill lime green chair I got for $10 and it is my prized possession, ladies. It just screams hippie. Since I know the drill, I just tell the ghosty to go away and I walk to our bedroom. I start playing Pokemon on my Nintendo Switch. Guys, I promise you, I'm an adult with a degree. (laughs) Then I heard a spooky... Ooh, ooh, coming from inside of our walls. We have neighbors, so I think it's just them. But then again, we've never been able to hear our neighbors when they are talking. The spooky moans continue for a little while until I just pull a pillow over my head and go to sleep. A couple weeks later, my husband goes to take our dog outside and comes back with that same Stanley not getting a pretzel on pretzel day level of sadness and shookethness on his face. I asked him what happened and he said when he went outside, he felt a hand on his shoulder and heard a woman's voice say, I like her. So we're left sitting in there like, who is this ghost dude? What the F does it want? Then my husband says, what if it's Monica? Monica was a girl he dated in high school who got in a car accident on her way to see him for his birthday. A truck came out of nowhere and T-boned this sweet girl. She died on impact. We now think that Monica is the one who has been trying to communicate with me in order to decide if she likes me or not. Thank the Zodiac stars I have her approval because yikes, that would have been super awkward living with my husband's ghost ex who hates me for the rest of my life. We haven't heard from Monica since the night she told my husband that she likes me. Part of me thinks, man, now that I know who it is, I kind of wish she'd come back so I could communicate with her and have a ghost friend. But if she's moved on to the next life, I'm happy she got the closure she needed to pass over. And that, my friends, are my ghost stories. I hope you enjoyed. Ray. Dang, that's a lot of the, – the tapping is such prolonged activity. I know. The fact that it was happening for so long and also just the the compliance but the anger. <laughs> the spirit was like slap – like, ugh. Fine, and then doesn't do it again. (laughs) I know. Well, it sounds like the spirit, if it is Monica, was trying to communicate or get her attention in some way. So like, but couldn't. Like tap, tap, tap was all that it could do. So it's got to be frustrating to be like, I know that she hears this tapping. She's recognizing it now, but now she's banishing me. It's like, ah, I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. So close. I mean, being a ghost must be really difficult. It's got to be. I feel like there should be some, some. well, this is a bad suggestion. I was going to say there should be some standard practice where we all have like this sort of sandbox where ghosts can like write out right. messages. <laughs> but then at the same time, you're invi- it's basically like a Ouija board. You're just, who are you inviting yeah. in? <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. To be very careful. That's like having a chalkboard in your room and you start hearing like, <gasps> oh, no. Or even just the nails on the chalkboard. <gasps> That's the worst. So gross. 
Yeah, I wonder, do people still do the chalkboard paint in rooms? I remember growing up in high school and middle school, that was a big thing where people would like paint mm. chalk, like a wall of chalkboard paint. I had and, like friends um, would write messages and stuff. I had a whiteboard. You did? I, I did too, actually. Mm-hmm. Not a not a painted one. Oh, my like was right, painted. Uh, oh, that's cool. I didn't know you could do that. It's the same thing as the chalk paint. It was just a like a dry erase board paint. Well, the last thing I needed in my room was uh, <laughs> yeah. somewhere for spirits to write no. messages. But one of the things that's interesting is in the beginning of this, the three mirrors that were all facing mm-hmm. each other. It's basically like, I mean, mirrors are said to be portals, but did this create some sort of like mega vortex? Interesting, like in the middle of the room. Right. I just imagine it being like that one specific spot and it's kind of like a hologram version where yeah. spirits can only appear right there and they just kind of like pop up like bloop and walk off and then the next one bloop and bloop. My question then is like, why would a ghost throw the mirror off the wall unless unless Lola does exist and she didn't want dark energy coming in so she threw the mirror off the wall to like prevent things from coming in or what if the darkness already came in and didn't <gasps> want to be sent back no you are so sick crew <laughs> <laughs> happy halloween <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh oh spooky scary skeletons hope everyone sleeps well tonight all right. This is from Ethan, and it's titled Tormented. Oh, so I'm no. like, oh, oh God. No, What's happening? I'm so sorry. <laughs> hey, guys. I've only been listening to you for about a month now, but you've been playing in my ears every night for the entire time. I even got my girlfriend hooked. You guys are so entertaining, and I look forward to listening to you guys after my night shift at work. I wanted to share a weird series of events that still paralyzes me with fear sometimes. I don't exactly know where to start, but I will start with two things. I feel everything in my dreams. I don't know if anyone else does or if my brain is just very imaginative, but I can feel everything in my dreams, pleasure, pain. And secondly, I sometimes have trouble separating dreams from reality. I will talk to my friends about activities that we've done with each other or entire experiences with my family, and no one will have any clue what I'm talking about. I believe a woman in my house uses these facts to torture me, taking my fears and using them against me and my family. There have been other monsters that have caused me to literally not sleep for days. A seven-foot man wearing a skull of some animal, as well as apparent alien abductions. But for this story, I will focus on the woman as she is the only one that both me and my siblings have encountered. For the most part, she's not a physical entity. The most that she's done was shut doors or knock over bins around the house. Normal stuff that I can put off as being the wind. Where she's most powerful, however, was during nighttime slash sleep. My one younger sister has apparently had nightmares about a similar woman, while another younger sister often sleeps in the living room because she feels she's being watched in her room. As far as my experience with her, it goes like this. It was daylight when I first saw her. I fell asleep on my couch to the sound of my mother vacuuming in the other room. However, I awoke to someone shouting my name in my ear. The TV was on and I assumed my mom was still vacuuming, but it was like the shout made me deaf because I could not hear anything. I tried to move, but of course, only my eyes were able to move. Across the room, I saw a woman wearing a torn dress. The dress was so torn I couldn't make out what it was, but it was either a wedding dress of some kind or just this poor maid midwife dress. Over the years, with each encounter I've had with her, her face would be different. Sometimes an average woman, but most times a faceless monster. This time, luckily, she had a face. 
I'm not a genealogist or whatever, but she looked to be of Italian descent or something around there. Although she was only standing still, her presence turned the room dark, despite it being 12 in the afternoon and the living room basked in light. This is the first time I felt paralyzing fear. My mind was erased of all things of my own thoughts, replaced with only her. My eyes began to water as I tried to regain my mobility and move again. After a minute, I was able to move and she disappeared instantly. I was scared, but forgot it quickly and continued about my day. Fast forward to one year later, my brother moved out and I was able to move into his room. His room was nice, but there was a single small closet in his room that my previous one didn't have. The first night I slept in that room, I had another encounter with her. This time, she was much more physical with me. I woke up to the feeling of something else in my room. Of course, I could not move. I was sleeping on my stomach with my arms behind me. Weird, I know. (laughs) I'm picturing it now. With my head turned towards the closet. The door was ajar. At the time, I didn't use the closet. I was 14, and all I owned were basketball shorts and shirts that easily fit in my wardrobe, so the closet was not used and always shut. To the left of the open closet in the corner, she was there again. This time she was faceless and on all fours. In her hand, I saw not something typical like a knife or a candle, but a kitchen fork. When I became aware of her presence, she immediately knew and she began to crawl. Not only was I paralyzed, but also trying to make my fingers or arms or something wake up even harder as I fell asleep on both arms. (gasps) She crawled towards the foot of the bed. I lost sight of her, and I stared into the darkness for what felt like forever. Oh, my God. I was still trying desperately to move as I felt something heavy sit on the foot of my bed. Then the weight shifted to near my leg and then near my torso. And I realized she was slowly crawling over me. Ah! My head, paralyzed, stayed facing right as she crawled over to the left of me. Although I couldn't see her, I knew exactly where she was by her breathing. It was shallow. And it would not be scary in any other circumstance, but as her breathing got louder and more clear as she crawled up my bed, it was terrifying. I finally felt her hot breath on my cheek and her long hair touching my neck as she put her face just inches away from mine. No. Suddenly, I felt a sharp pain in the calf of my left leg. And then again, and then again, she began stabbing me repeatedly with a fork, each stab putting the fork entirely into my leg. It was a horrible pain, and I could feel my muscle and the fat ripping apart, like that feeling of resistance when cutting into a steak and stabbing it with a fork, but it was on my own body. What was interesting was that the fork wasn't at room temperature, nor was it burning hot, but it was ice cold. I think my sense of pain woke me up because I jumped out of bed breathing heavily. This experience was a little too much for the next week. I only slept at school, never sleeping in my house, let alone my room. Of course, I eventually went back to the room to sleep again as grades started reflecting my lack of good sleep. But for the rest of my time in that room, I always had to triple check the closet that it was shut and blocked with something. If it wasn't, I would have a vivid nightmare that would usually ruin my day-to-day life. This is about it for my story. What's weird is that a year later, during a 5K I was participating in, the muscles on my shin and my left leg snapped. I couldn't run for a while, and to this day, when I bend down, I can feel the muscles in my left leg move around abnormally. I blame her for stabbing my left leg. I'm 18 now, and I'm going to college in Texas. I'm from Pennsylvania, and although my choice to go to college so far away was not solely because of her, I already find comfort imagining myself 15,000 miles apart. I'll see you guys later. Keep doing what you do. You're my number one favorite podcast. Ciao, XOXO. Oh my gosh. Ethan, I am so sorry. Oh. I am curious because the way that he said that his 
sisters also experience something, but they're different. I do wonder if it's just this Mm -hmm. one entity who can just change her appearance and just feeds on the specific person targeting the specific things that they're afraid of. Right. Because it's a woman in all scenarios. And she even, to Ethan, changes her appearance sometimes. Right. So it sounds like it's probably all of them. But the... She's escalating so quickly. Like it's this trapped sleep paralysis, but then this stabbing pain. It's like, it's almost like a residual haunting exists still in his left leg. Yeah. Like he can still feel the stabs from her. I am curious, like, because it almost feels like there's this like weird astral. Okay. The way that he was explaining her crawling up to him and then stabbing his leg. Mm -hmm. Like, I do wonder if in an astral plane he is injured, but in this physical plane, he's not. Yes. No, I think you're definitely on to something, too, because if we think about what he said at the beginning of this encounter is that he oftentimes will have such vivid dreams that he thinks it's reality. And so maybe he is mm-hmm. in the actual plane. Maybe he is almost shifting into different realities and doesn't always necessarily know when oh he's dreaming that he's, like, observing some other version of his life somewhere. So I almost – I think you're right. I think, like, in that moment – Maybe he thought he was awake, but it was actually his astral body Mm -hmm. awake and just staying in the same position of where his body was, like trapped. Like his soul was frozen in time and that's what she's manipulating. Oh, I do not like this woman. I'm curious, like, I mean, it's Pennsylvania. So Pennsylvania has lots of history. It's an old state. Mm -hmm. There's old farmland, a lot of – I'm curious if there's any way to find out history about the area or the home – Right. Or just, I, I don't know, find a way to get rid of this thing. Because even I though know. Ethan's leaving for school, like, his sisters are there. His parents are there. Yeah, and not to scare Ethan, but I do wonder, like, is it going to stay there? Is yeah. it is it attached to the home? Well, okay. Did Ethan already go to school? Yeah, okay. Ethan's yeah, because it's, now. it's October. So we have to follow up. We Ethan's roommates out. are probably going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> What did you bring here? <laughs> We're going to get another email in like four months. My college roommate from hell. <laughs> <laughs> he came with a possessed old lady next to him. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. I have a story from our listener, Jeff, and it's called Grandma Knew Something I Didn't. What's up, ladies? I just recently got turned on to y'all's podcast via recommendation from True Crime Storytime, and I have been binging your podcast at work this past Halloween week. And it's made this year's holiday the perfect level of spooky. (laughs) I have a tale that has always stood out to me, and I will try to be as brief as possible. Here we go. This is a situation that has stuck with me since it happened. A quick layout. If I walked out of my room and into the hallway, going right would take me to the living room. Through that leads to the kitchen and what my grandparents called the bonus room. Going left would lead to my mom's room, the spare room, and the bathroom. One night, I was up late doing some gaming in my room, and it was about 2 in the morning when I heard something that sounded like our cat Sadie meowing from what sounded like the living room area. I have seen and heard many things in that house, which... My grandparents used to live in, so I just assumed that Sadie was seeing or hearing something. After a moment passed, I heard it again, but it sounded to me like there was some distress in her voice. So I began to beckon her to my room so that she wasn't alone. As I did, I heard the trademark jingling of the bell on Sadie's collar start to ring as she headed to my room and hopped up onto my chair and lay down on my lap. A normal thing, one would think, except the jingling I heard came from the extra room down the hall, which was to the left not on the right where the initial sound came from. I decided that I would just chalk it up to crazy acoustics or maybe my mind was playing a trick on me or maybe Sadie was a ventriloquist cat. Who knows? 
A little over a month later, for no particular reason, I was relocating my room to the other end of the house into the bonus room where I had some experiences ranging from the figure of a woman walk through my room to hearing whispers in the night. And one night I also experienced one of the worst nightmares I have ever had in my life that involves a shadow person, sleep paralysis, and a brief stint that took me back to the place of the worst paranormal experience I have ever personally had. And of course, creepy ass little dolls, because why the F not? But I digress. I can recount that dream in a follow-up email if you are interested in hearing it, which yes, we are. So after sleeping in that room for a few months, I found myself on a camping trip with my family. And since my grandma has expressed an openness to the paranormal, I decided to ask her if she ever experienced anything in the house back when they lived there. And when I had recounted my experience hearing the distressed whine from the living room area without missing a beat, my grandma immediately replied with, yeah, that's probably the baby. And then she continues to explain that the poor family that lived in the house before my grandparents and before us had a young baby boy pass away due to respiratory failure before reaching his first birthday. After I was able to pick my jaw back up, all I could muster was a succinct, I'm sorry, the who what now? After confirming that I did in fact hear her correctly, she then turned and shouted to my grandpa, Fred, that crib is still up in the attic, right? To which she then went on to tell me that the family didn't want to keep the crib that the child had passed away in, so they put it in the attic and left it in the house when they moved. I finally asked her where the baby passed away, and she informed me that the boy had passed away in his room. But my grandparents didn't want anybody to have to sleep in that room, so they turned it into the bonus room, the room that I had been staying in for the last few months. If that wasn't enough, she also told me the crib was placed in the attic in a spot above what used to be the room my grandparents slept in before they moved out. And as you may have guessed, that room is the room I was sleeping in when I first heard the cry. The last bit I cannot confirm or deny because I sure as hell won't go up into the attic and check. Well, because I don't do attics for reasons that involve me getting bad feelings whenever I do. I hope you've enjoyed my story as even writing it gave me the chills. I have more stories and if you're curious to hear more about my dream or would like to hear the story of my experience with the man in the hat, I would be more than happy to share. Hope you ladies enjoy the rest of your day and I will see you on the other side, Jeff. I mean, it's always sad when a child dies and it's the spirit of a kid. Yeah, because it's like, why are they lingering? But it's just maybe they're confused and don't know. Right. I'm glad that the grandmother knew and was like, oh, it's just the baby. Because I think knowing what happened and knowing that a child had passed away is – it's not – I mean, it's horrible. Horrible, yeah. But at the same time, I think it – aids in that your reaction and the energy and the space won't be so like isolating you know it's not a demon it's not right you know la llorona crying out (laughs) pretending to be a baby to call you right call you forward or something but it is curious because after jeff moved into that room into the bonus room and started sleeping in there it does sound like a lot of other experience happened that are not the baby like there was a woman in the room you know there's he was having nightmares, so it does make me wonder if it if the death of this poor child opened up the room and that space to some to the paranormal world. Mm-hmm. It also makes me wonder. So, like the classic thing for for drawing women or drawing people towards you is to have a baby crying. Like someone wants to go and help the child, help the baby. And I wonder if that can continues into the paranormal world. Like if there is a a baby whose spirit remains somewhere. Is it heard in the astral plane? Are people 
are other spirits wandering through and being like, oh, no, there's a child. Let me go see what's happening. And maybe there's this, like, group of people or, like, this opening where people kind of – Yeah, pass through. Some might stay for a while, take care of the baby, try to get the baby to move on. Wow. Or just out of curiosity, some spirits pop in and out. I love the idea of, like, this community of ghosts coming to take care of the baby. They're tapping in. It's their shift. Wow. Time to go help the baby. And it could also just be relatives, like, you know, of the child. Mm-hmm. Right. Do we know when the baby passed? No, we don't. No, we don't. We don't. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, any paranormal activity is unnerving. Yeah. But you're right. I think in knowing that it's this child, you gain a sense of sympathy rather than fear. Yes. Right. It's still it's still unsettling when, right. because you're never expecting to hear it or you're never expecting yeah. to see something. Yeah. But at least when it does happen, you're like, okay, well, my heart might be racing in this moment, but, you know, I'm not being hunted down by, right, <laughs> by something right. darker. You don't have to be terrified. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The last email I picked to read is from Courtney. It's called, Maybe My Great Aunt Was a Witch. Ooh. Hi, ghostesses. Before I go into my stories, which are more my mom's than my own, I wanted to sincerely thank you both for all your hard work with the podcast. I love listening to you guys while I'm working and driving somewhere, although sometimes I do get a bit freaked out (laughs) and need a palate cleanser for a day or so. My dad and I are big into history and haunted places, as mentioned in another email that I sent, but my mom has always been the more logical and least likely to believe in anything paranormal. She's also the most religious out of all of us, so it always surprises me that she could not believe in ghosts or in spirits. For someone who doesn't believe in them, she's had the most stories of all of us. Oh my gosh. When my mom was a kid, she grew up in a duplex and her dad's sister lived on the other side. Due to some family issues, her parents did not get along very well with the aunt. She didn't like them living there and did everything she could to try and make their lives a living hell so that they'd Whoa. move. She would yell. She would run up and down the stairs. And she'd even threatened at one point that she would set their house on fire. She Whoa. was a frightening woman. The house was split into a duplex with a shared coal cellar. My Midwesterner is showing with these phrases. One t- Yeah, it is because I have no idea what that is. <laughs> One time, my mom was told to go get something out of the coal cellar, which her and her siblings never enjoyed doing because it meant that they could be subjected to their aunt. The aunt heard someone going downstairs and raced down to see who it was and what they were doing. My mom grabbed the item she needed and she bolted back up the stairs and slammed the door behind her only to hear her aunt cackle, Aha! Got you! Oh, My mom still has nightmares about her yelling and the threats the family had to endure. When the aunt eventually was forced to move out, the kids all gathered near the window and swear that the final item that she exited the house with was a single broom. Oh my gosh. The next story happened later after I was born and my parents had built their own home. My dad worked a lot of night shifts when I was a kid, so my mom had gotten used to being alone in the house at night. It was a warm March evening, so the windows were open, and my mom awoke to the curtains fluttering and did a double take. She watched as a single red balloon floated in through her window. Their windows had always had screens on them, though, so an object like this wouldn't actually be able to float in. My mom watched the balloon float through the window, across the room, out of her bedroom door, into the hallway. She knew what she was saying was not possible— So she figured it had just been a very detailed dream. So she got up, she looked around the hallway, checked on me, and then went back to bed. Shortly after, she woke up again, and she saw the same balloon floating back into the door, across the room, and exiting again through the window. 
The weirdest part is that she had this dream slash encounter more than once. The first time it happened had been the day of a family member's funeral. The final story I attribute is from my mom, but she passed this story along from her law enforcement friends. An officer received a call about a wellness check for a local resident, and this check ended up being one he would never forget. When they came face to face with this woman, her eyes were completely black. No white whatsoever. The officer didn't give any further details other than that the woman was going to receive some psychiatric help or at least go and be seen by a doctor. Years later, the same officer responded to a call about a car accident. The accident was particularly nasty, and I'm unsure if the driver of the vehicle survived. But once on site, the officer went to the passenger and received their account of what happened. The passenger is sitting with her head down, and once spoke to, she slowly turns her head upward, and it's the same woman, black eyes and all. She was eerily calm, and she didn't seem to be too upset about the accident. I'm not sure exactly what happened to her after, but I do not believe that he ever saw her after this occurrence, or at least not yet, and for his sake, I hope he doesn't. I had never even thought about spooky things that law enforcement and first responders have witnessed. Maybe that would be a good episode theme for you guys. Ooh. Thank you for reading this. I think that's a great one. People, mm-hmm. write write your encounters. Thank you for reading this. See you on the other side. Courtney. Whoa. I love the aunt being a witch. I just think that is – it adds to the fact that she was so scary and tormented the family and then – Yes, like the classic depiction, like yeah. Disney Halloween storytelling. It also kind of – I mean, I know in Halloween Town, the Cromwells are, are good and use their magic and powers mm-hmm. for good. But it kind of reminds me of the scene where they're all like looking out the window and then they see the grandma Cromwell Arrive. get on the bus and they're like, oh, oh my God. get on the bus, yeah. She's a witch. Yes. Oh, wow. It's like that discovery. And I mean, very well, not to discredit this at all, but like very well, it could have been, you know, like you pack up everything and the final thing you do is grab the broom that's like in the front hall closet. Like hidden behind the fridge. Like I forgot about it. Yeah. But still, like when you're little kids and you're all watching and this woman's tormented you, you're like, of course. You're like, of course there was something more to it. Oh my gosh. Okay. What the heck is this red balloon? I don't know. I don't know. At first when I was reading it, I was like, oh, maybe it's like a sign or something. Go check on Courtney or like a kid or whatever. But it did happen. She said it did happen the very first time after a family member's funeral. funeral. So maybe maybe this is like the family member letting Courtney's mom know that they're checking in on the family Mm -hmm. and they're like watching them and making sure that they're okay. But doing it in maybe the least threatening way they can think of. Like I know. But a red balloon reminds me of it. So it, much. I know. Like, <laughs> I know it sounds peaceful, like this balloon just like, do-do-do, floating along, but it is also eerie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it's weird because it just disappears through the window, so it's like, it's yeah. not an actual red balloon. It's not like, you know, like a nickel or like a butterfly right. or something that people present themselves as. This is either the spirit making themselves appear as a red balloon or this is happening in a dream. Right. Interesting. It's interesting. It is interesting. And I'm scared of that woman. The woman with the black eye. I know. Because when she says like all black eyes, that makes me think like it's it's everything. Like it's like not, a black eyed kid. Yeah. Right. Like it's there the are mama. plenty of people the who have really dark irises. Maybe it's But the that's mom. different than like a full yeah. black eyeball. Interesting. And I'm curious like what the wellness check was called, like why it was called. Right. And also, why was this woman in the car with this other person? How did they get into the car together? What if she's the mother of black-eyed kids and she is finding people to have more black-eyed children? Oh, yeah. 
And maybe she, it's one of those things where like with black eyed kids, you can temporarily, they temporarily trick you into thinking that they appear normal. But if you just stare for like 10, 15 seconds. Then you see it. Then you see it. So maybe it was one of those things where maybe she was a hitchhiker. Like, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. I hope that police officer never sees her again. That's so scary. Oh my gosh, I know. That is scary. I hope that that lady gets the help she needs if she, if she's a regular old lady who happens to be like plagued with demons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I have a story to end this with. It is called Halloween Night. It's from our listener S. Hello. This is coming to you guys from Missouri. I have been listening to your guys' podcast on and off for somewhere around a year or two. And I usually listen when I'm outside or on the road because – I don't want to bring any unwanted energy into my house. I have always been interested in the paranormal, but have a not-so-haunted house, which I definitely do not mind. My most memorable experience with the paranormal happened on Halloween this past year. I spent it with a few of my middle school friends and a few of their friends. In total, there were about seven of us. One of them is a medium, we'll call her M, and another one can sense the paranormal, and she'll go by K. So we were walking around my friend's neighborhood, and in the middle of the neighborhood, there's a basketball court. So... Kay and our friend T decided to wait at the basketball court for the rest of our group to show up. I had felt a sensation of someone or something watching us, but I never said anything to anyone. The rest of our group came and we were all sitting in a circle just hanging out when Kay starts getting very uncomfortable. And she later said that she could feel someone was behind us and that we were not welcome there. M suggested that we all walk away and go back to Kay's house. And as we're walking, we're all discussing how we were feeling and why we were feeling that way. And when she said that there was a little boy there, she said he probably died around 10 years before and was wearing a button up shirt with black vans. She said he would do no harm to us because she was protecting us, but that the boy did not want us there. So when we got back to the girl's house, Kay was a nervous wreck and was visibly uncomfortable when anyone would touch her. She was terrified that the boy would come back. Later that night, me and one of my friends, we'll call her Ruth, woke up at three in the morning and both woke up to the feeling of something stabbing at our calves. We were both in separate rooms, but woke up at the exact same time feeling the exact same thing. The next morning I woke up, Ruth and I went to the bathroom and discussed what happened to us and we were both stunned. I then started to feel a pain by my collarbone and I took my shirt off and saw that there were three scratches on my chest. They weren't bleeding, but they were there. I have no idea what happened, but that's all I have for you guys. Stay safe, stay spooky, see you on the other side, S. Well, this is interesting because it sounds like S's friend has the ability to see or at least feel what the spirit feels like, that they're all kind yeah. of picking up on the vibes. And then this one person is like, oh, I, I'm getting these images. I'm getting this story. Like the, how, but then yeah. S has scratches. So it seems like, oh, he'll do no harm is not exactly true. It, right. At least if it's just this one particular spirit. Yeah, that's what's so curious about it. It's like the boy didn't want to do them harm but didn't want them there and everyone was feeling super unsettled. So it's like, was there another spirit there that the boy didn't want them there because there was another spirit coming or that there was a dark spirit that was was Mm. also present and the little boy knew that it was going to attach to them? (sighs) I don't know. Because I can't – it's hard to relate both of those things happening from the same spirit of the little boy. Right. Also, stabbing pain in their calves reminds me very much of the story you read earlier. Yes, Ethan. Ethan. Right. And I mean, the fact that like, I don't know that people are getting different vibes in this group from their encounter. Like one of the girls is like, oh, it's fine. This It's just a little boy. He won't, he won't harm us. But then another person is like a nervous wreck shaking because she was touched. Like, 
I mean, people react and respond differently to encounters based on their fear and beliefs. And I think it's unpredictable sometimes, like how you will react in certain scenarios. But it's not like there's this clear universal feeling across the board with this one encounter. There kind of is. They all felt uncomfortable. I guess that's true. It's just kind of mixed messaging with like the, oh, don't worry, it's just just this guy here. But like, was did he just appear as as this person and like give mm. this message to the one person who could like see or, or feel him? Interesting. I don't know. But the scratches, know. yeah, the stabbing pain, I don't know. I don't trust that this is good news. Mm-mm. No, I hope it didn't follow them after that and it was just like a one night. Right. One night encounter. One night stand. <laughs> one night ghost. stand with ghosts. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, when this Halloween night approaches, be wary of the ghosts out at playgrounds, at basketball courts, in your home, wherever you may be. But if you do experience anything, email it to us. Or if you have in the past. Our email is twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. And we are now taking submissions of encounters, strange encounters from uh, first responders and nurses and law enforcement like what weird things have you all seen we want every encounter like honestly even if you're like oh they haven't asked for this specifically we want it it doesn't matter how obscure the the obscure ones get us excited because we're like oh we haven't thought about this before yeah we love it all from the classic to the loving to the obscure send it to us share it with us we also have multiple ways to support the podcast you can rate and review on itunes hugely important subscribe tell your friends you can join us for campfire stories on green room app and connect with us live there every other tuesday and you can also support us by buying merch we have patreon social media yes Thank you so much to our editor, Aiden Manning, and the entire team at FR Digital for editing our podcast. We're so grateful for you. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.